Katie, bar the door. We've got a guest host. Ryan Gresham steps in on this gun talk hunt, talking with Mike Tussie of Osceola Outdoors and Nomad Clothing and Joe Farinato, managing editor of Peterson's Hunting. It's all right here. We're talking hogs, gators, turkeys, and more. Gun Talk Hunt is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Lockdown, secure your lifestyle, and Timney Triggers, the world's finest triggers. All right, welcome in. This is Gun Talk Hunt, and no, I'm not Kevin Jarnigan, your host today. I'm Ryan Gresham, because we are on location in South Florida at Osceola Outdoors. I say it right, Mike? Yes, you do. <laughs> Thank God. All right, so why don't you guys introduce yourself to our audience? All right, I'm Mike Tussie. I own and operate Osceola Outdoors. I also work for Nomad Outdoors as the community director. There I take care of the media, do things like this. Mm -hmm. I take care of our TV shows and, uh, you know, work with our pro staff there. Nomad hunting clothing. Correct. Uh, for all kinds of stuff. Yep. Yep. Okay. We have a lot of different camo patterns with mossy oak, real tree, and that. And then we have a sister company called Hook Fishing. Yep. A lot of people know that one. That's a, a, a big, big fishing, company. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Joe, tell people what yep. you do. Joe Farinato, and I'm the managing editor at Peterson's Hunting Magazine. So, I mean, we're down here in South Florida, and this is a really cool trip, and it's put on by EOTech Voodoo Optics. They invite us down here to really test out the products. And I think people always give me a hard time because they're like, oh, you have to go hunting again. Okay, for work. For your job. Yeah, for your job. But it is fun, but it, it is a great way to test the products out. And sometimes there's kind of some revelations with this stuff. Um, I mean, so we are doing turkey and gator. Um, talk about your gator today. Oh man, it was a different experience. Like I've never done it before um before coming to florida this time i'd never seen a gator okay and because uh, you're up in montana yeah up in yeah, montana not a lot, of gators, not a lot of gators <laughs> um but no it was really cool we we spent a lot of time um working around on the dikes like looking in the canals that they use for drainage and mm -hmm. irrigation and man there were gators everywhere yeah i mean like you drive five feet see one drive another five feet and it's like, oh there's another one it's funny because like it's it feels like a stereotype oh gators florida but it's mike it's kind of true right it is you know we have two types of gator hunts in florida we have um private land tags which are management tools that landowners use to manage the gator populations and then we have public land hunts that are done on public waters okay. on our private land hunts we can use rifle, bow, we can use basically any means to do it. On our public water hunts, they have to be done with bow fishing rig. You can go use a snatch hook, catch them, but you have to finish them off with a bang stick. You cannot use a, a rifle or a pistol. Wow. Yep, so a little bit different on both hunts. And we were doing private land tags is what we were doing this week here with, with uh, EATEC. Which enables us to... To use the Voodoo scope. Use the Voodoo <laughs> scope. So the scope uh, we're using is a one to 10. Correct. Which is cool in itself. And we're gonna, I'm gonna talk to the, the Voodoo EOTech guys for Gun Talk Nation and get kind of all the skinny on that. I won't hold you guys to know one all One of the respects, coolest things but... about it though, like they kept the objective a little bit bigger. Yes. Than like your standard, like one to whatever right. scopes. And it captures light phenomenally well. Yeah, it's a 34 mm. millimeter tube. Yeah. Um, and it was, what I found was the one to 10, you go, well, 
okay, these were actually pretty close shots. I mean, I think they say the average shot is 50 yards or closer, something like that. Mm -hmm. So you go, well, you don't need, need a lot of magnification. Well, but you also have to make a precise shot. I mean, it's, Correct. I mean, a zone of maybe two, three inches. Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, it's a golf ball size, you know, shot that you got to make mm -hmm. between the eye and the ear hole, uh, putting it right in the brain pan for a gator. So very, very small target. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I, what I did, I kept it on two, maybe one power and just find the gator. And then I'd kind of just crank it up until it just felt right. Yeah. Just enough where you could like really tell what's going on on his head like see the detail between the eye and the ear hole and make sure you're going to put it in the right spot yeah so how far was your shot it was pretty close it was pretty close probably roughly 40 yards yeah somewhere right yeah. there yeah i think mine was 30 or something like that but i mean all he gave me was uh, the only thing i could see on the whole gator was his eyes and just a couple inches behind the eyes so which is kind of worked out since it was the the part i was supposed to shoot mm -hmm. but i mean Use the line of the water, like yeah, that, there it is. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I couldn't see his his back, his tail, nothing else. He was under all these lily pads, and you're going. It's kind of he must have thought he was pretty well hit. I think right? they're hidden, basically yeah. what they do. They stay still. They think they're camouflaged, <laughs> and they're not going to move until you know they think you actually see them. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, the gator. I mean. I was amazed at learning a little bit more about the Gators. He said that, because mine was a 10-footer, yours was a, was a 10-footer. Yep. He said it, the Gator might be 40 to 50 years old. Oh, easy. Easy. They grow probably about a foot a year until they're about five, six years old. And then it's an inches game after that. Yeah, he said yep. two to three inches a year. Mm -hmm. No, is that right? Two, three inches a year. And it depends on what they eat yeah. and the weather conditions and all this other stuff. But, yeah, you, yeah I mean, if you, you get to four feet and then it's two, three inches a year after that, yeah. you start going, oh, wow, yeah, it would take a, a long time to get that other, <laughs> get and Get those um, other feet that yeah, you get, get to get 10 get feet. Um, but gator's great to eat. People always go, what does it taste like? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, I can't. People would joke it tastes like chicken, but I think it's kind of like pork to me. It's kind of a, it's a it's white, a white meat. meat. Yeah, yeah, very, very white meat. It's tender and it's very, very good. Yeah, it's great. Blackened. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to Louisiana. So jambalaya and gumbo maybe, yeah. you know, gator chili. Would you have a favorite recipe? Oh, I like just fried gator. I like fried yeah. gator nuggets. Yeah, know? that's our thing. Yeah, we have something in Florida called uh, Everglades seasoning that we use, and we put that on all of it and yeah. fry it up, and they're awesome, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's been fun. I mean, it's like hunting dinosaurs. It really is. They're such crazy animals. I mean, look, just looking at them, you're like, yeah, that's prehistoric right there. Mm -hmm. That's like nothing else you see anywhere. Yeah. Um, but what I guess that was that was a fun side dish, but I think the main thing here is the turkeys. It feels like this is this is your bag. Oh right? yeah, Osceola turkeys. That's I've been doing Osceola turkey hunts here in Florida since oh 2000 with Osceola Outdoors. Started it then, and I mean I travel all over the country, you know, working with Nomad and mm -hmm. taking outdoor riders and working with the TV shows. So as soon as I leave Florida, I'll be on the road until. 1st of June, hunting, I don't know how many different states, back to Mexico two more times to hunt down there. Wow. And then, so I'll, I'll be on the road tearing it up, shooting turkeys. How are these Osceola turkeys different from other turkeys? Oh, smaller turkey. 
Okay. They're recognized really by what's called their wing bars. On their wings, on most turkeys, they have a solid white bar going across their pr wing primary feathers. Osceola turkeys are broken. So the broken white wing bars is what they're really noted for. Little darker color and longer legs are what the Osceolas are for. for. Longer legs. Yep. Okay. And that's walking through the water all the what time. What about their behavior? Do they do they gobble? Do they, do they... Yeah, you know, chasing turkeys now, you know, all the times I have, Osceolas gobble just as much as any other turkey, I think. I okay. mean, you know, um, they're more aggressive, I think, than any other turkey I've hunted. They do react to decoys. We used a shredder decoy. You used a shredder decoy. Yes. And what happened? Here come the gobbler strutting right into it. Yeah. So they're very, very aggressive turkeys. Yours jumped on the decoy. Oh, he attacked it. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Joe would have let his go, I'm sure it would have jumped, jumped, jumped right on the decoy. Yeah. Yeah. But, he didn't uh, give him the chance. To. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but they are. They're, they're more aggressive, I think, than any other turkey. Um, well, and I kind of noticed one thing about them, too. It seems like their spurs are just so much bigger than... Yeah. Than other turkeys that I've seen. And, and I think that happens down here. You know, it's habitat at that point. Mm -hmm. Soft ground, farmland, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you got cattle pastures. They're, and they're not, not they're rubbing not them on them rocks. Not yeah. like yeah. what, not what a Goulds is or a Miriam Chucky running up and down, you know, the mountains and getting them broke off on rocks yeah. and that type thing. So spur length is, you know, a big thing with them. They're so sharp. Did you feel yours? Like, oh yeah, they're sharp, yeah. sharp. Yeah. Like, I was very impressed. I was like, I wouldn't want that thing kicking me. Like, no, no, I mean, I actually, I picked it up and I poked myself, just not noticing where I was grabbing. Yeah. Like, oh, hey. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not comfortable. Yeah. I mean, that's what they do. They'll, they'll fight each other. Mm -hmm. They use this. Oh, they form. use the spurs. And we've cleaned some turkeys this year that had puncture marks in their breast where they have been fighting. They weren't gunshots. They were puncture marks from other wow. turkeys, you know, where they fight all the time. And like, that's why we use the, the strutter decoys and they're very aggressive and they come into those decoys and it helps us, you know, harvest the birds. ATN, you know, I don't think there's any part of the outdoor industry that has experienced more growth than thermal imaging, night vision, and ATN is a leader. They are the future of optics at ATN, and they are top-of-the-line performance with state-of-the-art technology at a price we all can afford, and I think we all love that, whether it's your Thor LT, your OTS uh, LT, and man, so many more from the Thermal Night Vision Company, ATN. They're bringing you scopes so you can see better at night. Go give them a check. And also, if you're a hunter, you're a shooter, which if you're listening to this podcast, I really hope you are. If not, we love you anyway. But ATN Optics will give you the edge that you need to perform better and bring home the big prize. We all want that, right? Check out ATNCorp.com. Timney Triggers. They are the world's finest triggers. I have many of them. Uh, one of my favorites actually is the Remington 700 trigger in my custom build. I built it from the ground up, and I love that gun, and I especially love the crisp break of a Timney trigger. And, man, if you've been making triggers since 1946 and it all started at a kitchen table, I appreciate you because, you know what, you don't have to be a dang gunsmith to do this thing. All right, to install these Timney triggers, it's super easy. Go give them a look at TimneyTriggers.com. So I got to tell you about how this went down with my bird. So we were talking about it a little bit, but 
we get set up. Well, we, we hunted for the whole morning and this one bird we were chasing, he just didn't want to cooperate. He didn't want to come in. Um, so we moved to another spot on this horse farm and we set out the decoys and everything was cool. But apparently uh, horses are attracted to turkey decoys. They're very curious. Same thing with cows. You put out they, decoys seriously. and next thing you know, you got cows, you got horses. They're putting their nose on them. <laughs> they were. It's, it's They're putting their nose on the decoy. The yeah. We may may have thrown a small stick or two at them. Just to, we didn't hit any of the horses, but no horses were harmed in the harming of the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> I know some guys that keep slingshots. Really? Yeah, just to keep that. the cows out of the decoys. <laughs> Back, pop a cow, it runs off. Now you don't have to worry about you know yeah. the cows getting in the decoys anymore. But I mean, he, you know, we we started calling. He started strutting in. He was working out, and then here come the horses again. And uh, he did jump up and and attack the decoy, which was really cool. We got that on camera. And then I was just waiting for the horses to clear out, and um, they did. It was kind of a tight shot. And I, but you know, my guide said, you're clear and it looked clear to me. And so we took it. It was, it was good. Turkey went down, horses mm -hmm. are fine and all that, but you just gotta be, it was kind of one of those reminder things for me of going, need to be extra careful. Yeah, need to be vigilant. Need to know yeah. where this shot is going to go. Yeah. Extra careful about that. Shoot somebody's horse. Yeah. <laughs> they don't take kindly of that. Um, talk about the gear and how it's changed in, in turkey hunting, Mike. Oh man. You know, uh, I actually started turkey hunting in 1989 when I, I moved to Florida from Kentucky. Grew up in eastern Kentucky, so mm -hmm. eastern Kentucky boy grew up. We had no turkey hunting. There was not a population of huntable turkeys in eastern Kentucky. Moved to Florida. Is there now? Yes, yeah. yeah. Big population. And I'm, I'll actually be up there next week doing a, a media hunt with outdoor riders in eastern Kentucky going back home. Awesome. Kind of back to my roots That's and doing neat. a hunt then. But uh, I got down here. Man, there was all kinds of turkeys down here. I'm like, okay, you know, I'd never turkey hunted. Took it up right away, and the bug hit me. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely hit me. You know, mossy oak camouflage had come out back in 1986. And, right. You know, and so it's 1989, so I'm buying the bottomland camo and getting all dressed up to go turkey hunt. <laughs> you know, wasn't long after that, I'm buying a, a new Remington shotgun, you know, with the camouflage pattern on it, the green leaf pattern. Mm -hmm. And those are really collectible today, those 19, you know, 99, 90, 92 turkey guns. Yeah. Were the, really the first turkey guns that came out, specialized. Uh, things that have changed over the years now, uh, reflex sights, little red dots. Yeah. A lot of people are putting those on there. And yeah. I didn't put it on there until a few years ago, and it became a necessity for me, wearing glasses and trying to, you know, get my head down on a bead. I was missing turkeys. Sure. You know, and I yeah. the blur, the dot, you know, or the the front bead, I wasn't seeing it. So I actually put. It seems like they're even more of a necessity too, like with the evolution of turkey ammo. Exactly. Because That's like where you know, to... back in the day, your patterns yeah. at thirty five yards were this big, and yeah, now they're big. this big. Now yeah. you can put on a full choke, and you extra have full choke, extra I mean, full choke, yeah. and I mean, you shoot some distance. Oh yeah, no, with and you're shooting. Tungsten now, TSS, you know, the hardest alloy that, you know, that you can have in a shell. And uh, the ranges that you have now on turkeys are incredible. You know, I mean, when you pattern a turkey gun, it's kind of been kind of uniform that people pattern a turkey gun at 40 yards. Right. See how many pellets you get in a 10 inch circle 
at 40 yards. And the thing is, you want a 90% of that pattern in that 10 inch circle. So 40 yards, you know, in the TSS shells, some of these guns are putting 460, 470 pellets in a 10 inch <laughs> circle at 40 yards. Well, and because you're the, number nine. I was about to say, exactly. the pellets are smaller exactly. because the tungsten's denser, you can get away with it. Yes. Number nine shot, which I mean, we don't use number nine for pretty much anything. No, I mean, you don't. Dove, you've always yeah, used them dove, seven and a half, yeah. eights, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Number nine shot, you're thinking about going, you know, to the skeet range is what you're thinking mm -hmm. about shooting number nines. But nowadays, you know, you have the evolution. I think that's really what's brought on the, you know, the reflex sights. Like right. you mentioned is at 10 yards, you're shooting a rifle. Oh, so yeah. You have to be precise. And the new red dot sights are making people precise and keeping your head down and seeing where that's at. And like you're shooting little patterns, real, you know, 50 cent piece patterns. And I ought to mention that the optic we're using is new from EOTech this year, mm -hmm. um, the E-Flex. And I liked it on the shotgun. I thought it worked great. Oh, I did too. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I've never, ever used one before. I mean, I've shot uh, handguns with sure. reflex sights, but I've never had it on a, a rifle or a shotgun or anything. So it took a little bit of getting used to because I'm so used to just slamming my head down, getting that cheek weld and being, mm -hmm. you know, right on the barrel so I could see that bead, mm -hmm. especially when turkey hunting. And when my bird right. came in today, I was just like, Slam my head down. I was like, oh, wait a second. It's, yep. up, it's right up here. <laughs> because the shotguns we're using, it has a picatinny rail yeah, on so top. so it's a little bit higher. Which makes it easy to mount, but it makes it a little higher. Yep. And you've got a little mounting system with the, the EOTech E-Flex. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're almost a, a kind of a chin weld yes. instead of a cheek weld. You're shooting a rifle sight at that time, especially what yep. you're shooting. Your head is up and your cheek's not down on the stock. So you get used to it. You pattern the guns. You get used to doing that. With the EOTech, what I really like was was going brightness yep. and really dimming that switch down. When I was playing with it and shooting it, low light conditions, you can mm -hmm. you know, brighten it up a little bit at the sun, or I'm sorry, when the sun gets out, brighten it up a little bit. Low light conditions like we had this morning, you can, you can dim turn it that down. Exactly. Dim it it's down easy. to where it disappears and then bump it back up. That's exactly what I did this morning. And yes. A trick I learned from somebody a few years back is you know, I mean, think they have a, it's in a three MOA three and MOA a six MOA dot are the two variations. The ones we have are three MOA. Three MOA. But you, it, one of the things, if you want to get a little bit more precision is dim it down. You dim it down. Yeah. Because if you have it all the way up, there's a lot of blue yeah. mm -hmm. to it. Um, so yeah, this morning it was sun coming up. It was foggy and I had, it, I had turned down at that mm -hmm. point. I want to go back to... So the the ammunition we're using is crazy. This like two and a quarter ounce, two and a quarter ounce load of shot of number nine TSS. Yeah, and we did the math on it just sitting around having beers, and it's like a nine hundred grain bullet, like nine hundred eighty four grain, nine hundred eighty four grain yeah. bullet. To just give you an idea of, because we say, oh, you know, it's an ounce of shot, or well, this is two and a quarter ounce of shot. Yeah, it's a lot, and. I, I will say you guys were were kind enough to sight in the guns because we we got in late uh, the first night, and you said this thing kicks. Fortunately, the very first time I shot it, I was staring at the first turkey I've ever shot in my life. Guess what? I didn't. didn't I didn't it. feel yeah. any recoil <laughs> oh, at yeah. all. Yeah, you don't. You don't no, feel it when nothing. there's a turkey in front of you. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's magic. You know, when, when we put it, we 
uh, just used some uh, some dove loads and stuff to get a rough pattern and then put a couple of shots of the TSS through it. And um, John from EOTech gets down and he's not super hard on it because, you know, they've been yeah. just super gentle. Tartar and lights. it just rocked his world. I mean, he just went. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse on the bench. It's oh, it's way worse, worse on the bench. bench. Yeah, always. always way worse. And he just like looked up at us and he's like, that has some power to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. But the one thing also that it's happened now with the evolution of turkey hunting is with the Apex ammunition, the, all the mm -hmm. other companies that are, are doing TSS, it's bringing up sub-gauges. Oh, that's Everybody right. Everybody used to shoot 12-gauge shotguns at turkeys. Now people are shooting 20-gauges. People are shooting 28-gauges. People are shooting 410s. The 410s are a big thing. We actually just had an article um, in our uh, kind of spring issue and talking about using 410s for turkeys. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like up in the game. I, I would kind of equate it to, um, you know, switching to archery tackle in the rifle hunting situation. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just trying to give yourself that extra challenge. Yeah. I mean, and we always said a 410 is just like a thimble full of shot. It's not, it's barely there. But if you're able to go to nine shot, and, an ounce load. And, and an, an ounce? Yeah. Seven, what's, I think they're doing seven eighths and maybe one ounce load. Yeah, I think, I think there are one ounce loads yeah. out there. That's still seven, a significant amount of pellets yeah. at a particular distance, you know, as long as you know what your limits are. Yeah. Um, Joe, we were taught, we got, this is not related, but I wanted to get into it a little bit and talk about mountain lion hunting. Yeah, Dude, it's exciting. You've been getting after the mountain lions this year. Yeah, we, uh, we run a lot. I have two good buddies um, in the Bozeman area that have hounds and one of them is my best friend. And as soon as lion season opens December 1st, it's, you know, alarm clocks are set for, you know, 1.30 a.m. and <laughs> we're going and looking for tracks, you know, hiking different trails, you know, jumping on the snowmobiles, running, running roads and yeah. just looking for tracks. And uh, it is a blast. And my biggest thing with it is like, everybody says it's easy. Like using dogs is easy because because we run with hounds and right everybody's like oh yeah you know it's cheating you know the, the lion doesn't have a fair chance it's far from easy anybody who thinks that mountain lion hunting is easy please come you yeah. can go on any race with us I mean, you guys are covering some ground yeah i dogs. mean we'll we'll cover a lot of ground the dogs obviously cover a lot more but uh we've had races that will take us you know 12 miles and 3,000 feet of elevation gain into just some nasty hell holes with with uh you know two three feet of snow on the ground like it could be really brutal last year my buddy killed a really big tom it was like over 180 pounds which in montana is pretty much unheard of wow. and uh it took them 17 hours from when they turned the dogs loose to get back to the truck with that lion Whoa. Yeah. And what are you typically using as, I um, mean, you can do it with archery or gun, yep. right? What are you typically using? Uh, so I always prefer archery tackle. It's just kind of my go-to. And when, yeah. when I can hunt with a bow, I'm going to pick up my bow. Um, but lots of guys will use just a short barrel 6.5 Creeds or even smaller. Um, they killed that cat with a 10 millimeter Glock 20. Okay. Last year, so wow. Yeah, they didn't even take a rifle because it just got too hard. They actually had another person with them that was going to shoot the cat mm -hmm. and couldn't make it because it was it was just too far. Too far. Oh yeah. my gosh. So they just took. We all carried Glock twenty as our sidearm in bear country, and yeah. you know, with lions, it's just always good to have something. Yeah. And 
they got to the tree and they were just going to retrieve the dog because once you turn the dogs loose, like it is your responsibility. Like you have to You're get committed. to the tree. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no calling them off of it. Like even with the e-callers, like, and you lose service on them super quick in that country. So, um, you have to get to the tree and you have to get to the tree as fast as you can. Cause when they're sitting there baiting at the tree, they're the perfect bait for wolves. Oh, um, wow. And we got a lot of wolves. In wolves kind of know to come in. Yep. They'll just come in and like, sometimes they'll eat them. Sometimes they'll just come in and kill them and wow. just walk away. It's like a territorial thing. Yeah. yeah. And so like, uh, my best friend, he can hike, like he can hike fast. And as soon as we let the dogs go, whoever's with us, it's like, follow our tracks like you'll see us at the tree because it's just got to get there yeah it's a i can't wait for you to keep up just go yep just follow our tracks and get to the tree when you get to the tree but we have to be at that tree as fast as we can so i mean how long does it take i mean i guess it just depends on as far as you find tracks and then you let let the dogs loose you can kind of tell if the tracks are recent right yeah so especially in the snow like you could tell if they're you know old or new you know one day old track two day old track you know smoking hot fresh track yeah and you're just looking at the way the the pad is at the ground you're looking at how it's melted if it's frozen um all sorts of different things and then obviously like the dogs will be the the key teller in that situation if they put their nose in it there's no scent it's not a good track yeah and then obviously there's different scent conditions so if it's too cold scent's not good like the scent just doesn't stick in the snow and stuff Mm. but yeah i mean we'll find tracks you know at two in the morning and then well you you sit on them until sunrise because you can't let go until the sun's up yeah so we'll just sit there and wait for them because it's it's pretty competitive like there's not very many spots where you could easily access the spots where they go. But lots of times these cats will, um, especially the toms, they'll be cruising to look for females. Right. And they'll cross these main drainages, these main thoroughfares, and you'll just have to get in there a ways, hike these trails. Like we'll go to, you know, several different trails, hike two miles in on each one. Has it become more popular to do mountain lion hunting? uh, I think so. I think it's a little bit of a fad in the hunting space right now, especially in Montana. Like it seems like everybody wants to get out and chase cats. Yeah. but it, it's growing in popularity, but the houndsman community isn't really growing. So People, how, how do you, if you lose the GPS signal on a collar, how do you keep up with the, the dogs? Uh, we'll just get on the track that was sent so to the basic, GPS. Okay, what, like what it, if you got no snow? Are you all running dry ground? No, we you don't like, run dry ground. You have I have, to do it I have one buddy who runs dry ground, and he has really good dogs for it. Um, but most of the dogs we run over really just won't take a dry ground track. Mm-hmm. So like if there's, we, there's more scent in the snow as well. Yep. Yeah. And, and then they also see the track. So like when they're running, they're oh, just they're looking at that. the track yeah. and, and running. And then when they get to dry ground situations, like the scent doesn't hold as well, like at least for a longer period of time, like yeah. it has to be super fresh. You need the moisture. Good scent. Yeah. And, uh, it's really hard for a lot of dogs, but I have a, another friend who has phenomenal dry ground dogs i watched those dogs track a cat eight miles no kidding all dry ground ground. yeah there were little patches of snow that the cat may have stepped in once or twice yeah but i mean it was solid majority just dry ground and he goes and runs them in utah so lots of dry ground running down there yeah and uh that's a little different but the gps does have like a saved track of where the dogs went it does i mean like all these hogs here we've run dogs here for you know for yep. hogs very similar uh, but down here on the flat ground 
I mean, you know, most of the time it's a mile, maybe two miles at, at the max that you're actually trying to follow a yeah. dog on a GPS. So you got the GPS signal a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm sure you can hear the dogs, you know, baying just like we could hear dogs yep. baying from oh, the sure. hogs down here. Absolutely. Yeah. And stuff. But I was wondering in those mountains if you could even hear. So that's one thing. We, one all. thing we'll do. We'll uh, if we lose them and we can't get a track or anything, we'll just get up to the highest point and we listen, can and listen, and listen, yeah. listen there, try and get signal Old back school. to the GPS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are sitting. I mean, a lot of people listen to this podcast, obviously as a podcast, but you know we do film it and and we're sitting in the lodge here and there are a bunch of big hogs behind us. <laughs> I actually didn't even talk about that. I did get to shoot a hog. Yeah, you did. We were on this sugarcane farm and it was just a kind of a target of opportunity situation. We saw this group of hogs about 400 yards off. We snuck to about 150 yards. And one thing we didn't talk about is that voodoo scope, the illuminated reticle. And I mean, we're talking a black reticle on a black hog can can be kind of a challenge oh, a yeah. little bit. And I I totally cheated and said, boop, illuminated red. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, red reticle on. And uh, that was helpful. Easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, one of the reasons we come do these things is kind of testing it and seeing what are some of the features that make sense. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we find stuff that doesn't make sense in some of these media events. But I mean, this is something that's not like a pre-production. This is out there in the wild, yep. it's, it's squared away. Sig Sauer, hey, have I talked about the cross yet? Because I'm actually pretty sure I've talked about the Sig Sauer cross many times, uh, probably right here on the podcast, but I own one of these. I love the gun and it fits all those notches that I need in a backcountry lightweight on the go hunting rifle. Um, it's available in 308 2776 Sig Fury. 6.5 Creedmoor, and that comes with an 18-inch barrel. That's the one I've got because I like to add a suppressor on it, um, so gives me a little bit more in barrel length, but it's got a folding precision stock. And, man, I, I love the looks of it, but you know me. I've got to customize it. I had a custom Cerakote job put on it, and it looks so sweet. But it is designed and built here in the USA. You've got to go check this gun out. You will want one, um, especially if you put your hands on it, because that folding stock, is you can fully customize it to fit you or your kid. So... Check them out at sixhour.com. And Lockdown, Lockdown's new secure walls organization products help turn any wall into a gun room or it just helps you organize your life, which we all need. Um, I'm a big proponent in being organized, especially around a loading bench. I'm new to the reloading game, but the secure walls will help me become better organized, better prepared. So each step is precise because I've got everything put up out of the way and I can grab it when I need it. Um, they are easily put up. They are easily configured so you can make them what you want. And better yet, you pair it with a vault door and the secure walls and you turn any room into your own very gun vault. So enter code GUNTALK10 at checkout and you get 10% off your entire purchase. So get you some secure walls, you know, get some dehumidifiers. Lockdown offers it all, and it's all found at lockdown.com. I mean, how much hog hunting do you guys do, Mike? Year-round down here. Yeah. I mean, it, it's absolutely year-round. Um, year-round, 24-7, right? Yeah, like, you could shoot them anytime, We right? can shoot them. They are considered property of the landowner in Florida, and so you don't have to have a license to hunt them. 
and they're considered basically livestock with the land on them. So wow. you can hunt them year round. And you know, like all these were caught by dogs and stuff. I used to run dogs all the time and kind of got out of that. I'm getting too old for that now. Yeah. <laughs> running around chasing them and, you know, swimming in canals, it's, trying to get yeah. to, you know, a hog that's caught. And so that's no fun anymore. Like yeah. you're saying, <laughs> like it's a commitment. I mean, you release those right. dogs, you gotta go get the dogs. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're treeing the cat we got to put our hands on these things. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have to touch the cat unless he jumps out of the tree and starts chewing on a dog, which is yeah. incredibly rare. Oh, I bet. Like, like people don't understand, like that's pretty rare. The only time like the dogs get in a tussle with a cat on the ground, it's if the cat's wounded usually and oh. can't get up a tree. Yeah. yeah. So, so with the hogs, you know, the dog's going to actually grab the ear, hold on, you know, and usually it's one dog yeah. and they're holding on and you come in and you're basically cramming the back legs and you're just wheelbarrowing them, flipping them over, and then you're putting your knee on them and holding them down until you get out there. <laughs> Somebody help me. Exactly. That's... I've been in those situations that if people are hollering, help, help, help. Yeah. So, Hurry up. <laughs> seen dogs get thrown, you know. A bit of a circus. Yeah, it can be, man. It can be. <laughs> so, so did you have the, the your hounds to chase them, and then did you have heel dogs, catch yeah. dogs? Yeah. And we had dogs that would do both. Yeah. And did um, you put the... Uh, vests on them yep all the dogs yeah. ran kevlar collars all the dogs ran you know uh bay vest or whatever but that's the one thing about houndsmen and i'm sure just like your buddies out there they love their dogs they're going to take care of their dogs they're veterinarians that you know they're checked up all the time or or these guys are giving them their ivamex shots all the time yeah but that's the one thing that i've seen with anybody that has dogs they love their dogs and they take care of them yeah you know? yeah what kind of dog is the catch dog versus a chase dog for the, for the hogs? Uh, a lot of times, you know, it's a, a pit bull mix, you know. it's They use um, a lot of cur dogs down here for, you know, the the bay dogs. And you'll find a gritty, real gritty cur dog that'll, that'll catch. And that, and I mean, that's actually, you know, a good that's dog. Cool. He's, he's yeah. punching above his yeah. weight class. He's, just he's a little punching bit. way above his weight class. I mean, I used to have a 65-pound black and tan that was just nasty. I yeah. mean, you know. That's a big black and tan. Yeah. I mean, he would just, anytime he got on something like this, he thought he could catch it all by himself. And, I, you know, he got hurt a lot. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I bet he did. Yeah. But, uh, Jeez. Um... You know, it was fun back in the day, but like I said, I'm too old for it now. Yeah. You get some dogs that are like that, that black and tan, like the drive that they have, they it's do. just so much more um, yeah. immense than any other dog you've seen. Like yeah. my buddy's one dog, he'll climb trees to try and get the cats. Yeah. And that's, it's just in them, right? It, it's, yeah. it's their purpose in life. And I mean, a less dramatic example, but you know, I've, I've had Brittany's who want to point quail and, mm -hmm. and we're in, we're in South Louisiana. It gets warm. You got to let the dogs rest yeah. they, so they don't get overheated. I mean, you have to tie them up so they'll stop hunting. Yeah. yeah. You can't just tell just them. want to keep going. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, you know, if you let them go, they're going to collapse. They will. I've seen, um, I've seen it happen down here in the heat. Dogs collapse, you know, and you got to take care of them, you know. <laughs> have you ever seen anybody use a, a wire hair or a drithar as? I haven't. Uh, a heel dog? No, I have it because I run wire hairs as my bird dogs, mm -hmm. and my breeder he's kind of bred the fur drive out of his bloodline mm -hmm. because he wanted them to be, you know, um, versatile dogs in the sense of waterfowl and upland rather yeah. than not you chasing know, rab rabbits when exactly, you're trying to and not upland. killing deer and stuff like that. And he got a call from a guy in Texas. He was like, hey, my wire hair died. I need one as my heel dog. And he was like, if if those hogs ever got past the pit bulls. 
nothing would make it past the wire hair. <laughs> really? Yeah. And some of those draughts, like those draughts can get big. My bigger wire hair now is 85 pounds. Wow. wow. And just That's a big dog. Yeah, he's just built. And some of the draughts, I mean, I know guys who say, you know, 100 pounds and they're just built and they can be ferocious. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I think what we're kind of talking about is I, I think a lot of us in the outdoor world and the hunting world, are drawn towards working dogs, dogs with a purpose. Yeah. Whether that's a, a pointing dog, a retrieving dog, a catch dog, it's like, what is, because I'm going through this with my wife right now about getting a dog. I'm like, but what does the dog do? Like, it can't just be. What is its purpose? Yeah, what, why is he here? You know, we gotta think about that. Um, As my wife would say, to aggravate her. <laughs> that's, that's my wife would agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this has been fun. Um, Mike, this is a great place you got down here. And I mean, this central Florida, south central Florida. It's different. It is way walk. different. You get off the coast in Florida and you get inland Florida, it's completely old Florida, basically. Yes. I mean, it's cattle ranches, you know, thousands and thousands of acres of working cattle ranches mm -hmm. down here. Two lane roads, you know, little tiny towns. You don't have the hustle and bustle of the coast and everybody coming to Florida, yep. you know, on spring break vacation and all that. Right. So I, I like it over here. I mean, it's, we're right now sitting on the northwest shore of, of Lake Okeechobee is where we're at. And uh, it's a different culture over here than, you know, where I live in Naples. You can tell. Yeah, yeah you can tell it's a different culture. Um, this has been fun. I, I appreciate it. And I got my first turkey. Awesome, man. So now. And and you started with what's supposedly like the hardest one to get, right? Yeah. And the, <laughs> but now, for the Grand Slam. Now the problem is you're going to be addicted. I, I'm already getting there because that was hunting, exciting. Turkey hunting is addictive. It really is. I mean, it's exciting. You got to see a show today. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to see that bird gobble. You got to see him strut. Joe, you got to see the same thing. We could hear our bird gobbling a long way off. And Joe says, here he comes. And I look over and the bird's strutting all the way in. They're gorgeous to watch come in strutting. And it, it is. It's an addictive sport. I have done it now for, you know, 30 some years. And... I'm obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with it. And the great thing is you can pretty much do it in every state. Every state except for Alaska. Every state except for yep. Alaska. So, yeah, NWTF has done one hell of a job over decades and decades of really, mm -hmm. you know, there's just turkeys everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, I've been to Hawaii hunting. Uh, and actually the new thing now is called Chasing 49. So I think there's... 16 people who have completed the 49 right now. My good friend Jason Hart completed it uh, this year. He got it, or sorry, last year he completed it. He got his 49th bird in Mississippi with Mossy Oak. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so he completed it last year, and he's talked me into doing it now. I have 23 more states to go. Right. I'm not in a big hurry to get it done. Uh, for me, it's... I don't know, man. It's it's weird because turkey hunting to me is camaraderie, like what we're doing yes. right now. We're talking about the hunt. We enjoyed the hunt. As soon as we got done, we're giving each other fist bumps and all that. When you're doing this chasing 49 thing, a lot of times you're hunting by yourself because you don't have the buddies going to the small states of Vermont, sure. Rhode Island, sure. New Jersey, yeah. these states that don't really have huge turkey populations. You're trying to accomplish a goal but you're not taking a buddy along to, to accomplish that goal with you. Yeah. So you're sitting there and you shoot a turkey and now you're looking around going, okay, who am I celebrating with? 
Yeah. To me, turkey hunting is a companion sport, man. It's fun yeah. with your buddies and have fun with it. And like I say, you're going to be addicted to it. You I do it. You're going to do it again. And, and the more and more you do it, you're going to fall in love with it. Yeah, you're right. It's getting in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've never been a turkey hunter. I mean, I had my first really legitimate turkey hunt. Like I've killed quite a few turkeys, but you know, kind of running and gunning and mm -hmm. not really knowing what I was doing. I did my first, you know, legitimate turkey hunt last year. And I was like, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And this one, I was, I mean, I was shaking for a while after. I'm like, man, this is fun. Well, for like, a lot of people, fun. they get into, or they start hunting with white-tailed deer. I mean, everybody that's kind of like baseline zero is because it's just everywhere and it's the most common thing that people hunt. And there are a lot of people who either don't get into hunting because that was their gateway or they're like, ah, you know, that's kind of like sitting in a stand by myself and it's yeah. not for everybody. Yeah. And I think turkey hunting and a lot of different type of bird hunting is exactly yeah. that. The, the, the opposite of that, where you can, it's social, you're hanging out mm -hmm. with friends, you can, you don't have to be quiet and still all the time. Yeah. You can do a little talking, but also like today, I mean, we, we went, we did four different setups mm -hmm. in, you know, in six hours or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, that's us this morning. I mean, we went to one ranch, uh, didn't work out there. We Got out of there, came back, got, ran through McDonald's real quick, and I had game cameras out, and I knew where birds were going to be later in the day. Yeah. We bounced in there, made one call, bird gobbled as soon as we made our first call. Really? Yeah. And we said, that was quick, and we were done in 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it works out like that. Sometimes you're sitting out there all day. You yeah. Know? And so it's... It's a different challenge every single day. Every different bird or every bird is different that you're trying to hunt. So it doesn't always work out the same way. It so was I, funny. Right after that bird called the first time, we kind of let him settle. And uh, he gobbled again a little bit closer and then shut up for a little bit. And right before he came in, I leaned over to Mike and I was like, I'm just picturing him. He's, he's running in right now. <laughs> like he's just beelining it right to us. And like just jokingly, yeah. Two minutes later, two minutes later, I was like, "Oh wow, here he comes! Here we go! Willed that one into existence." <laughs> and I mean, he was on a beeline too, because I was pretty much glued to the edge of that field where I thought he'd be coming from, right. and you know, peeking through the brush and stuff, watching the corner, and you know, looking over just a little bit. And I turned back for just a second and looked back, and he was just like already, you know, fifteen yards in. Really? And I was like, "He is on a mission. Mm -hmm. He is coming here right now." Yeah, he has he has some words for this decoy. Yes. I didn't even have my gun up. I was like relaxing because I thought oh, it was really? gonna take a while. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> That's what I was I was so nervous about because I'd told Mike I hadn't shot a turkey before and so he was giving me some tips last night and he was make sure you have your gun up, you know. Mm -hmm. So all morning, my gun's up, my gun's up. Casey's like, I mean you you, you do. Chill. You get caught with you your pants relax. down. I mean, you got your gun laying in your lap. I see a lot of hunters lay it on the ground. Now you got the bird there, and, you know, and they're looking around. They're weary of yeah. what's going on. And you start that movement, boom, they're gone. Yeah. You know? I did it doesn't have matter it on how much knee. camo you have on, the movement, the movement exactly. gets you. Yeah. I did have my gun on my knee, though, so all mm -hmm. I had to do was just that. So it wasn't like a terrible amount of movement, but yeah. I was still... And once he got focused on the decoy, we let him keep coming. And he got past us and got toward the decoy and got his fan up. And that's when I told you, okay, go ahead and get yourself moved around. Put the gun yeah. on him. Yeah. You know, and then I cut at him, got his head up, and then he blew his beard off. <laughs> Did do that. That happened. Well, you know, this is, you never know how it's going to go. It's never the same way twice. No.
I'm just gonna blame the EOTech for that. One. Uh, <laughs> blame yeah, some guy who decided it. It definitely wasn't the EOTech. We call operator error on that one. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's like I say, it's addictive, and it's been great having you guys down here to hunt. We appreciate it. It's been us, great, man, and and I hope you keep it up. I really do. Yeah, you know, as a, I think of myself sometimes as an ambassador of turkey hunting. You know, I work with Nomad and, and everything, and I love to see people get into the sport. Well, I, yeah. like I said, I think if if people are listening to this, watching it, and you've tried different things, I think you have to figure out what's your thing. Like some of us, it doesn't matter. Hunting, we're just going to love all yeah. of it. Yeah. But some of us are going to go, oh, I tried this, but I didn't really like that. But I mean, I think turkey probably is a really good gateway into a whole different type of hunting. Mm-hmm. Um and you can do it in 49 states, so there you go. And so, in the springtime when you're not focused on a bunch of other stuff, so. Yeah, it's the other thing. Yeah. yeah. Extend your hunting season. Well, guys, thanks for uh, being on with us. Yeah. Thank of course, you. thanks for having us. It was fun. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you next time on Gun Talk Hunt.